2: midfield. Yeah! Barrow just stumble but she scores. And they spring on to attack here. They can. Into the penalty area. Chance they've equalised. Quick as you like. Breslin gives them hope. Wellington Phoenix back on level terms. Back into the penalty area. A chance now. Onto the crossbar. On the rebound. And it's in the back of the net. There is no flag. Wellington Phoenix take the lead. Turned it around in the opening 15 minutes of the second half. And for the second time in two weeks, Perth glory see a 1-0 lead disappear. Boyle
3: just tries to get away from everybody. Throws it into the
2: end zone, into a lot of traffic. And there's a pick on the other side. And coming back from the
3: end zone is Holland. And Holland is at the midfield. And Holland is inside the 40. And Holland is inside the 20. Can you believe this?
2: That is insanity. That's as crazy as anything you'll ever see. You throw in a Hail
3: Mary, and it's a Hail Mary, all right, for the defense. If there's ever a play that embodies an entire season, this is it for the New
1: York Jets. Yikes! Free kick under the backs of Saki and Batch. Saki to deliver.
4: No, he's gone. Border of
0: Thompson got a powerful left hand on. him. That would have been an absolute stunner. Ball behind. Here it is. Here's the goal of the
1: season. And this man finds the back of the net for a third time
2: already this season. Before this
5: twice, three times. How did that stay out? I'll never know. Jamie
3: Matero steers forward. <laughs> save up the press. she over got it far. Oh, the
5: minus action. Yeah. the Lions in Phoenix, down the green. Alex Tulsi, as he has done already this season, stands up there. One last chance for Melbourne City. Badger on the ball. Lovely. Drop of the shoulder. Can't find a teammate. Still not out the line. And the back post oh, of yeah. Carson to yeah. one yeah. sticks it out. Come on, the clubs. They keep coming to their credit city. But just cannot find a way past the number 40. Well, that's probably the best chance from open play for Melbourne City attack. And now it's Dawson. Flucks it out of the air with one hand. Rashford. Now it's Dallow. And Garnetje! is of the very highest order. In terms of the great moments of Premier League gymnastics.
1: This is phenomenal. You can see it on his face, he knows. He's got that kind of circular mouth as if to say, oh, I've never scored anything better than that in my life. And right now, at this stage of the season, that's the best I've seen. In terms of timing and technique, it doesn't get any better. Wayne Rooney, eat your heart out.
2: Wow. And wow again. And we'll be watching this for many a long year to come.
4: Kia ora, good morning, and welcome into Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on your Monday morning. It is seven past six. So much sport over the weekend. So much sport still going on. We've got live games at the moment coming from uh, Man- uh, Manchester United versus Everton is on at the moment. We've got a whole bunch of NFL games kicking off shortly as well. And uh, good morning to you. Still in the in the far north, there, Kempe. Uh Looks like you might have a bit of rain on the
0: way. There. Is it a bit grey up there? Oh no, it's actually it's actually looking all right, Rick. It's not a bad day up here. It's been quite nice this weekend. Just quite a bit of wind um, around the joint, but uh, the sun's definitely been out and, and able to get uh, quite a few little jobs done. So um, yeah, mate, it's been it's been good. It's uh, it's nice to be up here when there's no rain for a change, because most most of the trips that I've been up here, there's been plenty of rains and. Talking to Joe from Gizzy over the weekend, they're getting plenty again down the east coast there, which is uh, a real—you know—must be really tiresome for the people living on the East Cape at the moment when that rain comes down after the devastation that's gone through um, the East Cape. But yeah, it's a uh, mate, a very nice morning, and yeah, listening to Robbie's uh, intro into the show this morning, a lot of a lot of sport over the weekend, uh, a lot of sport that you don't normally get to see. Because uh, you know we've had so many World Cups on, uh, I enjoyed the Phoenix, and you were at both the games on the weekend. Because uh, you had both, both the Phoenix and, of course, the championship, the New Zealand um, Soccer Championship Finals on. How was that for you, mate? Were you uh, were you impressed by the you know being live and by obviously both the Phoenix teams getting uh, getting the job done, but just the state of soccer in New Zealand? Yeah, mate, it's been uh, it was a big weekend for football, all right.
4: Uh, yeah, the, the both Phoenix teams winning at Mount Smart Team uh, Mount Smart Stadium was great to see, uh, and and then yesterday, yeah, we saw the uh, the National League Grand Finals as well, and uh, a couple of a couple of new winners: Auckland United getting the Women's uh, Championship and uh, Wellington Olympic beating Auckland City uh, to win the uh, was national. That a, was it a surprise? Yeah, it was a little well, on paper you would say so. Uh, about three weeks ago, Wellington Olympic. Beat Auckland City 3-1 up in Auckland at Kiweteer Street. And Auckland had been a little bit maybe, you know, they they were eight points clear at the top and everybody thought they were going to hose it home. And they ended up finishing level on points with Olympic. So um, Olympic were probably on the up and Auckland City were plateauing a wee bit. And Auckland City, the other thing is that uh, tomorrow they go to Saudi Arabia to play in the Club World Cup. Which they qualified for by winning the Oceania Champions League, so okay. it did make me wonder whether or not they had one eye sort of a little bit further down the road. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, they definitely have the one eye, one eye um, on getting their team in the or getting the Auckland team, and I guess um, so. Those players that'll be thinking about that as well. But that uh, that World Club Championship comes around every year now. That Auckland City side, um, they they got they got plenty to play for. They got plenty plenty of um, I guess. Trophies? Would you say trophies,
4: or trophies and money? I mean, uh, money. I, yeah, yep. I'm not sure uh if it's changed, but I remember a few years ago that it used to be uh if yeah they they play a game. So this club world cups hosted in different places, and everywhere that hosts it, uh, because Oceania is the smallest association, the Oceania champion has to play the local champion to get into the main draw. But uh, so they get five hundred thousand US for qualifying and then they'd get another 500,000 US if they win that game and then from there on I think there's about a million US for every game
0: Wow! yeah that changes that yeah we talked about that last week didn't we that changes lives Um, especially lives of the community in New Zealand when they're trying to make ends meet so all the best to those boys Um, good on you Rick for going out there and um, burning the wick both ends mate getting up early in the morning and then having to spend your whole weekend there looking at soccer and uh, MC and keeping everyone happy
4: well mate I, I, any, I worked it out Have any d-
0: hooligans coming at you did you nah, how are you not,
4: going No, nah, not too many mate I was I was up in the gods <laughs> so I was alright I was alright but uh, yeah I worked it out I did 20 hours over the weekend um, so well, I hope you got a good early, rate. Yeah, mate. Yeah, it's not too bad. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. Don't feel sorry for me on that front. But, uh, yeah, so, no, it was good. <laughs> it was good. But I've got to say, yeah, it's so like, on Saturday, so I got there at about – what time we get there? Just I had to get there before midday, and then uh, first game didn't kick off until 4.30, so we had a whole bunch of prep stuff to do. But I didn't get home till after 10, and, uh, you know, it's a, a long day uh, yeah. when you're just on your feet all the time and, and things. So uh, you got home, and then uh, you know, I thought, oh, well, I don't have to be – Back there tomorrow until eleven, so I'm gonna have a. i am going to have have a bit of a sleeping. But nah, we got a kitten, and this kitten is she's she's coming up a year. Um, so she started. She went from catching skinks and bringing those in to catching birds, and after the third bird in five days fluttering around the house, we were like, nah, I need to do something about this. So we, I got her a collar with the biggest bell on it that I could find, the loudest bell to try and yeah. stop her catching birds. But now, mate, every time she comes through the cat door, it sounds like Rudolph is here, and it's like <laughs> Santa's got here, got here early, uh, and so she, yeah, she woke me up at about six thirty because she comes and jumps on the end of the bed, and then you know how cats uh, wash themselves vigorously when you're trying to sleep. Yeah, it does yeah. that? But there's a bell going the whole time as well, yeah. so I just woke me up at Get about six thirty. Woke me up at six thirty. I was like, oh god. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole another story. Uh, some sad news this morning, Kimpy. Is that yeah. uh, uh, Terry Venables, uh, who was famous uh, as England coach, England football coach, but also played for Chelsea and Spurs, and coached QPR and Tottenham, and a, and a bunch of others, uh, passed away at the age of eighty.
0: Yeah, very very sad. Uh, you yeah, know, Terry Venables was the English coach when I was there, and uh, you would remember because you have the same. Oh, the uh, 96 Euro Cup there that was played over mm. um, in England. I was I was uh, uh, lucky enough to experience that when Venables was the coach of the English side. Obviously, obviously he had some great players. Alan Shearer um, it was one of them. Paul Gascoigne, yep. when he came on, you know, he was he was also very good. Uh, Gary Lineker is probably the one that everyone knows. Um, you know, and very highly regarded. Uh, Terry Venables. As, a, as an English coach, but just as a, a very good, I'd, I'd say from the player's point of view, manager. they they all, they all calling him um, boss. You know, thanks for, I'll, I've just read a couple of the um, the messages that are coming in from all those ex-players back in 96. And yeah, very sad day, Terry Venables. geez, time time flies, doesn't it, when you're, when you're reading some of those stories and you're going, yep, yeah, I, I actually remember exactly where I was that day. Uh, when England were playing in those those euros back then um, so sad day for England soccer yeah um, definitely with ter- Terry Venables passing away
4: well he was he was one he was a bit of a trailblazer Terry Venables because he was the first English coach that I can think of I think probably even before Bobby Robson that went and coached on the continent you know so he co- he took over Barcelona. And coach yep. Barcelona, he was the guy that had brought Gary Lineker and Steve Archibald from England, um, you know, from the English league, over to, to play for Barcelona. Famously, you know, what he did the first player that he sold when he was uh, in charge of Barcelona, who was that? Maradona. Sold Maradona to Napoli. He was like, no, too much trouble. Get rid. Off he goes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like, yeah, when you when you're looking at uh, some of those comments that are made by the ex players, there he. He had, had an uncanny knack of bringing everyone together, so I dare say it'd be a sad day in England and a... And a an old boys catch up about talking about old stories and stuff like that. We plenty of those coming out over the next uh, 24 hours. Yep, indeed there will be, and uh, hopefully we'll get somebody out of the UK to
4: uh, talk to us about Venables' legacy as well, passing away overnight at the age of 80. Uh, Kempy's kicker result. Let, let's just say that Brett is banned from making any more Dolphins <laughs> bets. Uh, he had Tyreek Hill to make 50 yards, 50 yards rushing in both halves against the Jets. Guess how many he made for the whole game. 48.
6: Two. Two <laughs> rushing
4: yards. I think you got thirty-seven receiving yards. But Brett, yeah, nah,
0: yeah, nah. Oh, trying to look after, um, people that are really consistently thrown in in bets. Oh, I actually believe Brett. I believed in Brett.
6: Uh, I'm coming in to defend Brett, lads. It was uh, fifty or more receiving yards in each half. Oh, was it receiving yards? Not
4: ra- oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, he got he. he well, I mean. I don't put, actually, put that aside. He got thirty nine for the whole game. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah.
6: Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how many uh, actually got per half, but uh, uh, the X on the TAB account uh, partnered with the X by the draw for Tottenham versus Aston Villa means a pretty unsuccessful kicker. Yeah, it didn't
4: didn't go particularly well. Did not go particularly well. It did actually hear There's a piece of news actually. Um, remember last week we were talking about there was that player survey about the best and worst stadiums in the NFL. Yep. And uh, MetLife Stadium, which was the stadium of the Jets and the Giants, got voted the worst. That's where the Dolphins played. And uh, one of the Dolphins' um, biggest players uh, tore his Achilles in that game against the Jets. He's done for the season. And uh, Brett has just sent me footage on Twitter of the of the incident. It was non-contact. And no. he just went to go. He just went to take off. And the artificial turf underneath his studs shifted. And he went and yep. bang. Yeah, so he's like yeah, I
0: saw I saw that too. I, I watched that yesterday on the socials um, from behind that a little close up of uh, the Achilles snapping when that player took off. It, it is a problem. I got to say, you know, back in I, I think we played Melbourne to make the eight in two thousand and one, and we played under the Etihad Stadium in Melbourne, and it had a roof. But when you walked down on the pitch, the pitch looked like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. So the 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 ground the grass never grew. It grew it grew in patches, and they had. All season tried to save it that the when you walked on the pitch it was just all mismatched pieces of grass that would move all the time and that's what you're getting at the moment I think with those new stadiums is is I you know unless you put an artificial pitch down if you're trying to grow grass well you can't keep that roof closed
4: yeah exactly and that that doesn't help with uh, player safety at the end of the day a long time listener first time caller Brett from Huntley. good morning.
7: <laughs> oh hell no hell no what's your excuse he had 64, he had 64 yards in the first 10 minutes in his first 4 catches bro
4: not according to the box score looked, I, I looked it up the box score says he got 37 rushing and 2 receiving for the whole match
7: he had 104 receiving for the match
4: not according to the official box score he didn't bro I don't know what you
0: were watching
6: Because <laughs> I, I watch this
0: Wow. <laughs> Is there a green tick next to that to that bet? That's all I want to know, because we're trying to get you paid. Do we get a green tick? No, because uh, he, well,
7: uh, another injury. So along with that one that I sent you, Ricardo, on Twitter, uh, Tyrig's ankle got squashed underneath on his second catch, which was a 30-plus 30, 30 yard catch. And then he got strapped up, and then Tua stopped throwing to him because he was injured. So, um, Jaden Waddle started getting all the
3: receptions.
0: Well, I like it when, a, when a, uh, a tipster comes in and he backs up his bet with some excuses when all we were looking for were 50 yards from, from your Dolphins. Hey, seriously, though, Brett, are you going to change who you support? Oh, hell no. We smashed him. <laughs> <laughs> 34-13. It was a big win against the Jets. I uh, They were pretty poor, though, to be fair, the Jets. Because the Dolphins are good they at throwing, good. throwing intercept passes, aren't they?
7: Oh, uh, yeah. Tua, Tua wasn't playing. I'll give you that one, Kempi. Tua did not <laughs> have his best game. Uh, there was no. A 99 yard uh, intercept return in <laughs> that game. But uh, if I can get Ricardo to send you that um, image that I sent him this morning, uh, Uncle, um, and just in regards to what Ricardo brought up last week, how stadiums are uh, not enjoyed by some players and I've seen the injury list for ACLs and Achilles tendons on the artificial turf but I've, yeah. only the time I've played on artificial turf is my biggest concern is getting scabs from carpet burns mm. but yeah there's, there's a pretty horrific one that um, happened to Jalen Phillips uh, outside linebacker for um, the Dolphins he just went to push off and it has actually pretty much exploded on
4: him. It's yeah, always, well, it's not pretty. Yeah. Not pretty, Brett. All right, mate, hey, listen, we would better crack on, but thanks for your call, brother. Chill, sure, well. chill. Sure. You go, Brett. Uh, fins up. Uh, big Dolphins fan. It is twenty past six. Uh, we should get to who am I? I was born in Northern California, and in two thousand and twenty one, I donated a million dollars to help small businesses in my hometown. $100 Adidas Golf, voucher up for grabs. Get away with Adidas Golf. Visit adidas.co.nz slash Golf. T's and C's apply. Double eight, double three. if you know the answer, we'll be back with simply the best. After this, you're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. It is 625 0800 150 811 or text us on the Temper Bed Post text machine. Our range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. And time to do this.
0: Yeah, it was a hell of a weekend for Taranaki, and I'll be talking about that, and love racing, and uh, we had a good mate of the show, uh, Robbie Patterson, on on the weekend, and he didn't tip us this one out, but here's my best of the weekend, coming from the back. One bold cat, here we go.
3: Aromatics join them, and so has One Bold Cat. One Bold Cat and Aromatic go to war at the 250. Dionysus is running on, and behind them Aquacade. One Bold Cat and Aromatic, and behind them Dionysus. One Bold Cat on the outside, De- uh, giving plenty on the inside of it. Aromatic, but it's a new Plymouth visitor too strong. One Bold Cat, One Bold Cat beat Aromatic third. Dionysus fourth over.
0: What was Aquicade. really surprising about that was Aqu- Aquacade caving in uh, in that run in the county's cup on saturday the group three out there at pukakoe and and robbie patterson was on tally just beforehand basically saying rick that uh this is a real testing run for his horse and we'll see what it's got because grillsy reckons it's a group one it was a group three they run in and uh, this is going to tell him a hell of a lot about one bowl cat who's he's had since it was a foal so uh it answered all of his questions it came from behind it was at the back and ran around them with some clear air and battled it out uh, to the line uh, to get that win for Robbie Patterson and uh, the great New new Plymouth trainer getting that done. He's had a hell of a month. We'll talk a little bit more about that with Love Racing.
4: Yeah, we will. And uh, yeah, thanks for your text, Kevin. It's just coming. We'll address that a little bit later on. We actually have Greg Peters, the CEO of New Centre Rugby League, coming on after seven and we can talk uh, more about that uh, then. But here is my Simply the Best. Wellington
2: Phoenix take the lead. They turn 15 minutes at the second half and for the second time in two weeks, Perth glory see a 1-0 lead disappear.
4: Yeah, it was the Wellington Phoenix Liberty A-League side under Paul Temple. What a comeback from them. They were playing Kempe, the team that were top of the table. They had the top goal scorer in their team as well, actually a, fo- a football fern in Grace Jarley, who's been absolutely on fire this season, uh, and they managed to keep her quiet, and they came. They did, didn't play well in the first half. It's got to be said, and they were a goal down, but they came back with two in the second half and knocked off the team that were top of the table by two goals to one and got the win. It was a great comeback and, uh, yeah, a really good performance, particularly in the second half.
0: I'll tell you what I'm, I'm really surprised about with this um, Phoenix woman's side. It's just the, the uh, I guess, the effort the young girls have been putting in and the, and the way that they're attacking football is they're not afraid to, to do things. Like, you know, the goal that, the, the goal that got them behind was a, was a defensive error, but the way that they just stuck to the, uh, I guess, Paul Temple's plan and went about, you know, the amount of shots on goal, Rick, you must have been surprised. A hell of a lot more shots on goal than in the men's game. Um, so I wasn't surprised that they pulled the pulled the two two goals back, but they're flying at the moment, the Phoenix women, and, and uh, well well done to them for getting the job done.
4: Yeah, and, and well done to Hope Breslin. I don't know if you saw it, Kempi, but Hope Breslin has scored the first goal uh, last week. Was it last week or the week before? She uh, clashed heads with somebody, and she had a complete yeah. shiner; her whole eye closed over. Um, so she scored yesterday. Uh, yeah, was it yesterday or Saturday? And uh, yeah, when she's running back celebration the camera zooms in, she's still got this massive shiner. Yes. But she's out there putting <laughs> her head in dangerous
0: places, didn't care. Well, it was nicely placed too, wasn't it? Like she could have gone to the far right corner, but she, she, she stuck to her line. And the patience that she had just to put it past the goalkeeper on, the, on her left-hand side, I thought was, a, was a, a, a sign of maturity. So good on her, good on her for getting the goal. They, they, had, they had plenty of opportunities. At least they converted two of them. And the main thing, they get a W.
4: Yep, they got the big dub, which is what you want. It is Hapa 6 here on SENZ. It is Ian Kempe for breakfast. Time to catch up with Araha for the latest in news with Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Flight Centre's Big Red Sale is on now with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays and tours. Book now to save big. It is 27 away from 7 o'clock. Time for some sports news headlines for you, and there are plenty of them. Uh, Spurs couldn't send off their former manager Terry Venables with a win this morning. They blew an early lead to lose 2-1 to Aston Villa and slipped to fifth in the table. Villa replaced them in the top four. Yesterday, Wellington Olympic uh, took out the men's Football National League Championship for 2023, beating Auckland City 2-0. In the final, with former Phoenix player Joel Stevens and UK Import Kaylin Gould scoring the goals, and the women's final Auckland United triumphed by the same score over Southern United Alexis Cook and Maisie Jewell finding the back of the net for them. Elsewhere, Red Bull's triple world champion Max Verstappen wrapped up Formula One's most dominant season with a record-extending 19th win from 22 races at the season-ending Abu Dhabi Grand Prix overnight. The pole to flag victory for the fourth year in a row under the Yas Marina floodlights left the 26-year-old alone in third place in the Formula One's all-time winners list with 54 for his career. Only seven-time champion Lewis Hamilton with 103 and Michael Schumacher with 91 have won more. And Miami Dolphins linebacker Jalen Phillips has suffered a torn Achilles and will miss the rest of the season, head coach Mike McDaniel confirmed yesterday. Phillips left Saturday's 34-13 win over the Jets after he went down with a non-contact injury late in the fourth quarter. He was carted off to the locker room and later confirmed a ruptured Achilles. So that is uh, tough luck for him and uh, something that you really don't want to see. Catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass only on DAZN. Visit any. NFLDZone.com forward slash nfl. DAZN.com/NFL. Those are some sports headlines for you. And um, we've got a, a few texts through on double eight double three as well, Kempe. Uh, we'll start with this one. Kempe, uh, you probably won't answer, but I hope you weren't one of the senior ex-players who recommended Maguire going. <laughs> the decision to let him go was a complete disgrace. That is from Kevin.
0: Hey, Kev, look, we've got Greg Peters coming on at uh, 7 o'clock. So uh, I don't know who the players ex-players group is, we'll ask Greg that that exact question. Um, But if you want to read a very, very good opinion piece, then go to the the Stuff website this morning and read the opinion piece of David Long because it is balanced and it is to the exact point that I was talking about, which is a conflict of interest. And he he lines up the, the article exactly how it Uh, how it would play out if you were to coach both New South Wales and New Zealand and what a lot of people don't actually realise because this is not about Madge Maguire this is about the New Zealand Rugby League um, putting a Kiwi coach in its position as the pinnacle position for that coach to stay in and win World Cups. Now to the defence of the New Zealand Rugby League uh, if it is to be um, believed that they gave him an ultimatum and said, well, you either choose New Zealand or New South Wales. Well, he's showing his true colours. He wants to go and coach New South Wales in the blue jersey. Um, and for me, I think, you know, the New Zealand Rugby League have made the right decision because what they need is a coach that needs to coach New Zealand through World Cups. And the, the, the basic conflict is that if he gets to decide, and this is what people don't understand, Rick, If you get a young player that wants to play for New Zealand and he plays for New Zealand, he can't play Origin. But if you get a young player that wants to play um, for New Zealand and Origin and chooses Origin, he can then play for Australia, Samoa or Tonga or the Cook Islands. And that's the conflict that I've been trying to get people to understand. So head along to Stuff, check out David, uh, David Long's column. He maps it out really, really well. And uh, I'm pretty sure when I asked that question this morning from from Greg Peters, that's probably the what the NZRL board looked at when they made a decision as far as conflict of interest goes.
4: All right. And there's another text as well that I'd, I'd like to get to that came through uh, from Ryan earlier in this morning. Morning, Kempe. The NRL never stops. What's no. your thoughts on the Warriors potentially signing Luke Capewell from the Broncos on a three-year deal? According to media outlets in Aussie, it's a high chance to happen as the Broncos want to free up space to re-sign Walsh and his Ramam. I'm in two minds. He's 30 years old, probably has a couple of good years left in him, good experience in his one-two prems. The other part of me says this isn't the replacement for AFB we need for 2025. We're still a big prop short for 2024. That's what McFadden has said in an interview only a month ago. I guess in Webby and Cappy we trust.
0: Yeah, look, I think I think... When you look at this signing, it's probably to cover Tohu Harris um, and a replacement in that lock position. Luke Capel plays out there on the left edge. He can play centre. You know, he's, he's more of a Simon Mannering type um, lock player. Can play in the middle. They have let uh, Josh Curran did, go too, right? So he could be... Yeah. yeah. Well, see, Josh Curran would have been on next to nothing. So, you know, and Luke Capel ain't coming for nothing. I, I can guarantee you that. Um, having won a premiership, just missed that one last year with the Broncos. Uh, the When I look at it, Ryan, I, I can only see it being cover for Tohu and and maybe there's something else playing out there in the background that Tohu may may have said, well, you know, he's going to go around one more time this year and they're looking for a replacement for him. If you look across the team, he isn't going to sit on the edge with Nua Kure, um and Jackson Ford at the moment. I think they both got those edges locked up. So you'd have to look around the rest of the team. And for me, it's probably um, a little bit of um, security around Torhu Harris if he does uh, decide to, to that this is probably his last season. Uh,
4: and an interesting tour, I was just having a look uh, at Fox News in Australia. And uh, how's this, mate? Warriors uh, prop, Aden Fanua Blake, he's certainly uh, not got his feet up in the off-season. <laughs> he was photographed at Sydney Airport with Phil Gould. He's also met with the West Tigers and been seen at uh, Haberfield Rowers on Thursday, meeting with Scott Fulton from the Tigers as well. Apparently he's got a meeting with the Dragons coming up as well. With all these all these meetings he's got going on, I know he said he's going to run around one more time for 2024, but I'm starting to think that there might be a deal done. That you know, if these, one of these clubs can come up with a player that the Warriors want, they might actually let it happen before 2024.
1: Yeah,
0: you're, pro- you're probably right. Like he, he's made it. Nice and clear, which I like. I like, you know, that I'm I'm out. So you know, the Warriors can go around rebuilding, uh, and I like that the Warriors have put some stipulations around that contract about replacements and 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 making sure that they're looked after. Uh, mate, this I'll tell you now with Adam Adam Finua Blake, there's no shortage of of uh, suitors for him. Uh, Goulds seen him. Fulton took him to Manly. So you know, at West Tigers now, and Benji's looking for someone of that ilk. Um, and St George have made it nice and clear. You know, we heard, we heard um, not only Flanagan say that, but before that we had Jason Nightingale on saying that the board had, had targeted him. So, mate, he's going. Where does he go? Well, I guess he's got the biggest purse is where Adam Finua-Blake is probably going. And uh, if I was going to put my money on it, I'd put my money on West Tigers. I think the relationship with um, Fulton, get, you know, having, having moved him to Manly, but also the t- it's out west where he's from. Uh, is probably my pick over both Canterbury and St George.
4: Yeah, it's interesting because I see uh you know the, the dogs are trying to move Ra- uh, Raymond Faitalamarana on. Uh he's on 800 grand, but they were trying uh to as well to get um Toki Ahau back out of uh out of Super League, but Yeah, um, Cadlands. Yeah, yeah, Catalans, but he's failed a medical, so that's that's off.
0: Yeah, and well, Raymond's not worth 800 grand, you know, so when you when you 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 basically how they handle those it's it's been a way that they've handled things about players' contracts for a long time a real poor way of handling it is they ignore them and they make it really hard they they throw you into if you listen to Justin Horder he's he's just done a a podcast and he talks about um being being told to go and train on his own. Be, be down at reserve grade, and even when he's training with a squad, is to be pushed out and train on his own because they just want to make it uncomfortable so he leaves so he can free up that cap. Um, yeah, I don't think you know, you've got to remember Rick, Raymond was already here before he went to the Bulldogs. Mm. Coming back, I, I probably would say that they won't be looking at Raymond for tell him, um Mariner. It's probably, you know, if they're going to do a deal, it's probably who they can pick up, maybe, maybe strengthen the, the depth of their squad and then have a look at that money, because he's got to free up quite a bit of money, uh, Adam Finua Blake, and you're talk, talking Sean Johnson's also on his final year, is whether or not they do, um, a, a, I guess, a, a big bid on a marquee player to come back into that. I think the seven jerseys probably the biggest one from, that people need to look at this year in replacing Sean Johnson. And and the way, reason I say that is because there's not that many sevens around. You're going to have to probably go and get someone like St. George, West Tigers and uh, and Canterbury are doing that's already tied up in a, in a lengthy contract, uh, out of their contract.
4: Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out, but I think there's a lot more to come uh, between now and the start of next season. It is 17 away from 7 o'clock. When we come back, Kempy's back with Love Racing.
8: Sumi and Durham lad, Sumi in the centre, Durham lad goes with her, Sumi the outside, Durham lad the inside,
4: stride for stride, Bilardo Boy late, Sumi in front, just in front, Bilardo Boy lunged out wide, but Sumi will win, Sumi is what it first up to be Bilardo Boy. Islington, Islington. last,
3: Dream Machine over on the inside, and then side by side, Bodeswell from a long way back, starting to put in, badgering the witness, but here's Islington last, ranged up at the front. Quality here, horse here, and Islington Lass will be badgering the witness side-by-side. Side. Bodes well a check.
0: Yeah, 648, uh, you can call us any time, 800 158 double 33 tempered bed, post-text machine, and find a thoroughbred, nz. And today, it's a big shout-out to our Taranaki Whanau, because they got the job done. Alan Sharrick, Sumi, and Islington Lass... Um, Very, very good winners on the weekend. Got the weekend off to a great start, but this is the one that we all wanted to watch, the Counties Cup, and this is what happened.
3: Aromatics join them, and so has one bold cat. One bold cat and aromatic go to war at the 250. Dionysus is running on, and behind them Aquacade. One bold cat and aromatic, and behind them Dionysus. One bold cat on the outside, uh, giving giving plenty on the inside of it, aromatic. But that's the new Plymouth visitor, too strong. One bold cat, one bold cat beat aromatic third, Dionysus fourth.
0: Yes, and they'll be sitting up at the gap in Taranaki this morning, talking about the spoils going away and getting them all both the Sheik Sharock and uh, our man, Robbie Patterson, one bowl cap, took out uh, the Saturday Group 3 Counties Cup over 2,100 at Koi, delivering a third feature prize for the month for Robbie Patterson, the informed New Plymouth trainer. He's previously settled one bowl cap to win the $80,000 fielding cup over 2,100 at Trentham, and uh, that was followed by all-way triumph from Pintura in the $250,000 Group 3 Copeland's Bakery's Mile. It was only last week at Rickard and one bowl cap, uh, arrived at Pukekohe on Saturday as the winner of six of his eleven starts, and the $170,000 feature was the first time his talents has been tested against quality stars such as Group winners AquaCade, Aromatic, and Dynasis. But the five-year-old rose to the occasion, sweeping from the back of the field at the hands of another. Uh, Taranaki great Matt Cameron and bursting into contention at the 300 metre mark. Uh, Matt Cameron of course he went along also and he got the Group 2 um, Dunstan Horsefields or Auckland Thoroughbred Breeder Stakes on Campionessa that paid $15 so Matty Cameron back Riding, got the two feature races uh, out there at Pukekohe, And I uh, just wanted to say a big shout-out to all of the whanau down there at the Gap, uh, especially Robbie Patterson and Alan Sharrick, two leading trainers from Taranaki, doing the small province really proud over the weekend, taking all the spoils. And, of course, welcome back, Matty Cameron. Uh, doing a fantastic job, mate. You snuck up on the inside, too, on Campionese. You caught me out, I thought. Um, you sort of... Uh, I had a little bit of a look at that one, Rick, and wasn't really thinking too much of how how much class Matty Cameron brings to the race day, but uh, he snuck that at 15s. I don't know who, if you're on, if you're on, why don't you text us double eight double three and let us know because that paid plenty and that would have made your weekend. The Grand Tour Racing Festival, it's back, and that's your Love Racing update for Monday.
4: Yeah, didn't have a lot of luck on the punt, got to say, this weekend, Kempy. I, I, I followed a few in off the text machine, uh, and who are guys that are normally pretty good. I think Kev tipped out Wolverine and Bella the Ball. I think that both of them are still running. Uh, and then uh, and, the, and then the one that Robbie Patterson did tip out for us um, uh, on it's Friday. That's still running. That's still running as well, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you yeah, didn't have a lot of luck, mate, to be fair, but hopefully we can steer into a few more this week, eh?
0: Yeah, oh, 100%, mate. That's, that's
4: why it's called racing, Rick, and not winning. Yes, 100%, mate, 100%. It is eight away <laughs> from seven. Updating you the score from uh, the Premier League. Manchester United lead 2-0 now against Everton. A penalty from Marcus Rashford, extending their lead about half an hour to go in that one. We'll be back with some of your texts on double eight double three after this. We are three minutes away from seven double eight double three. is the text line still 2-0 between Manchester United and... And Everton, uh, the red half of that equation, are up with uh, just over 20 minutes left in that match. A uh, few texts uh, through. This one from Barry. He was the other half of Kempy's kicker from last Friday. Morena, guys. Sorry my draw didn't come in. I should have stuck with my original pick, which was the draw in the Man City-Liverpool game. Never mind, we go again from Barry. He wasn't far away, got to be said. Tottenham lost mm. 2-1 this morning, but uh, that game was... That game was won all up until about the 75th minute, so he wasn't too far off.
0: Yeah, it's, it, mate, it's, t- it's tough enough picking um, those EPL scores, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get. And sometimes, and you know that, Rick, when you're following your team, you think some of these games that they win, they go out and they lose, and then, you know, the other way is the other way around, and, and it, it is, a, like, that's what I mean, like, it's bloody tough picking them. Um, but we go again, we go again on Thursday, on Thursday. Um, and you'll get another kick. You'll get another chance to, to get in there and and get on Kempy's kicker.
4: Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. I mean, I'm I, I I'm not having a great weekend. To be fair, I do a, I do a picking comp on the Premier League, uh, and so far I have got three from nine. Wow. So yep. yeah, that, uh, that 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 pretty the much. The tide
0: needs in. to turn quickly. I, although <laughs> I did, I
4: will say this: Manchester City, Liverpool. I had I got the exact score in that one. I
0: had that at one all. So if yeah. only I'd backed it, mate. If only it's just picking the ones to back. Yeah, and those those are the ones that pay a lot too, aren't they? If you pick the right score, you get you get you know some decent odds on that. So maybe you need to have a, have a decent look at that, Rick. If you can pick one of those for us once a week, it'd be quite nice.
4: Yeah, I think they'd probably pay five or six bucks, like the exact score, mm, something like that. That's um, my
0: fa- that's my favourite number. Yeah, five or six, round there. Uh, Brad's
4: texted through asking if it was a penalty. Manchester United's second goal was a was a penalty. Yeah, uh, yeah, Brad, it looked like a penalty. The referee originally gave Martial a yellow card and booked them for diving, and then VAR. Had a look at it, and uh, yeah, Ashley Young, who's now playing for Everton, ex-Manchester United player, uh, he actually steps steps on Martial's foot just inside the area uh, when he goes over, so they gave the penalty. So uh, yeah, that, it was definitely. You don't a pain even have Brad.
0: to. You just have to touch a hair on his leg, and he'll fall <laughs> over. <in that> box. <laughs> let alone you get close enough.
4: Let alone actually stand on his foot. So yes, it was. <laughs> did you
0: know, he really stand on his foot? Yeah, he come did. on, he did. He actually he, did. he
4: actually stood on his foot, and while he was running. So you know how that'll. That'll put the anchors on, Kenpy. That'll put the anchors on. (laughs) Definitely. Coming up on the show, uh, we've got Greg Peters, the um, boss man from the New Zealand Rugby League. So if you've got any questions for Greg, get them through to us on double eight double three. He is coming up after 7 o'clock. Andy Murray from 442 Magazine in the UK is going to join us at 7.40 to talk Terry Venables, former England uh, and Tottenham coach who passed away overnight at the age of 80. And after 8 o'clock, Chris Milicic is going to join us to talk the A-League. And the National League as well. Here's Araha with the latest in news for Kubota. Kubota Spring Catalog is out now. Four past seven on your Monday morning. Welcome into Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, and uh, boy, uh, they bring back some memories. Kempi. what a great night that was, and a great win for the Kiwis in the Pacific Championship. It is trade's Hour with Night and Day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just four dollars fifty. At your local night and day. Greg Peters from New Zealand Rugby League is coming up shortly. Also Andy Murray from 442 Magazine this hour as well. Updating uh, scores for you. All the NFL games uh, have just kicked off at 7 o'clock. We'll keep you up to date with those. Uh, Manchester United have scored a third. Now they lead Everton 3-0 with 15 minutes left to play in that Premier League match. And uh, time for Who Am I? Clue number two, for a $100 Adidas golf voucher, get away with Adidas golf, visit adidas.co.nz, get away with golf, T's and C's apply. After receiving just one DI scholarship, I almost quit my chosen sport after high school, thinking about going to college and becoming a lawyer instead. Who am I? Okay, so after receiving just one DI scholarship, I almost quit my chosen sport after high school, thinking about going to college and becoming a lawyer instead. Who am I? Double eight double three, if you know who that is, hundred dollar Adidas golf voucher could be yours. Time now to talk some rugby league, and all the talk recently has been about the Kiwis. Uh whether you go back a few weeks to that big thirty-nil win over the Aussies in the Pacific Championship, Uh, that has obviously uh, got a lot of people talking and and rightly so as well, or if you are talking uh, the decision uh, around Michael Maguire's future because he was allegedly being offered the New South Wales job, could he do that and the Kiwis job, that was a decision uh, that our next guest uh, was part of making about his future, Greg Peters, welcome to the show, how are you?
1: Good morning. Very good, thank you.
4: That's a story, Greg. I guess you know, the, from a from a fan point of view, from a public point of view, uh, it it must have been a pretty difficult decision for you and the board when you look at it. You know, you, I guess, how do you? sort of separate a potential conflict of interest with the New South Wales job uh, being talked about for, for Madge versus a 30-0 win against the Aussies. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's two things there at opposite ends of the spectrum which must have made that decision pretty tough. How did you reconcile it? How did you come to your decision?
1: Well, first and foremost, uh, we absolutely wanted to keep Michael um, and uh, it was his decision to step away from the job with the Kiwis, he's done a fantastic job over the five years. He's been in the role, uh, and obviously um, the recent victory against Australia and winning the Pacific Championships for the first time is, uh, was pretty special for the group. Um, having said that, when we look at it, the, the two roles, are very difficult to reconcile when you've got what a team in Australia that many people would put ahead of the kangaroos and at the top of the pecking order. Um, as a pathway team in Australia, um, and reconciling that with where we want the Kiwis jersey to be, which is top of the top of the picking order, preeminent status of international football, and the mana in the shirt that that we now have or have always had, but has been built of with, with, on with recent victories. We just want that to be the top of the top of the tree, and we want someone who's 100% focused on that. Role uh, and not having half an eye on a, on an Australian pathway team over the ditch.
0: Greg, thanks for joining us for breakfast this morning. So, so the decision to um, let Madge McGuire go was purely his decision. Is that what you're saying? He stepped down. Was was he given an ultimatum?
1: Well, I, I don't like to call it an ultimatum as such, but we but we certainly aired our views, and it's not just uh, you know my view or the board's view, it's a uh, strongly held view amongst the current player group and, and a number of former players that we spoke to, that the two roles were incompatible. And I think you also have to remember, which you know Tony as well, you have to remember that um, that the Kiwis job just might appear to be three test matches uh, added on to the end of the year, which is another story, but um, it's not, it's a full year round job when you're interacting with players throughout the year and the younger player group that we're trying to bring through and into the kiwis it's it's uh it's a full-time job and it's pretty hard to see how you can you know at one moment be talking to a kiwi and one changing sheet and then you know turn around you know and talk to a state of origin player or, or an australian player um in the same breath you know that's in the incompatibility that we see around the two roles.
0: So, so there's a couple of things in there let's just talk about that you mentioned the senior this senior group this powerful senior group's been reported that i 've led that who are they because you 've never spoken to me
1: uh, well no I was talking more about the player group, our current player group which we've interacted a lot with, and uh, we have spoken to other former players but and we're certainly very clear of what your view is because you've been uh, you've been articulated in the media but we've spoken to other senior players uh both, well, former players as well, but particularly the player group that we have currently that have taken a huge step up in the last um, little while and are really leading that group, and that's a really powerful um, statement for the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we'll just get a text, text message here, Greg. They're just saying, can you name the, the ex-players that uh, were advising you on Madge Maguire?
1: No, no, I'm not. I'm not prepared to name names either in the f- current player group or the former player group. But I, I can assure you that we've spoken to both. And in the case of the current players, who we put a lot of stead, uh, a lot of status on, on their view, to a man, they are consistent and uh, and uh, you know agree with the position that we've that Michael couldn't do both jobs.
0: Okay, hey so a players are eligible for the Kiwis or New South Wales, but he can't play for Queensland and New South Wales after playing for the Kiwis. But if he plays for Australia, he then can play for Tonga or Samoa. Was that considered in the in your discussions with the board in and around uh I guess this conflict? Because that's in a nutshell where the the key conflict was as far as um, what I was trying to get my message across when, when you're sitting in that New South Wales job as opposed to sitting in both of them?
1: Yeah, look, it'd be fair to say I think there's some moves to change that and we've been advocating for that some time. Um, but I'll give you a live example, well, not, maybe not so live now, but um, Jerome Luai played for Junior Kiwis um, a couple of years back um, has, he, he has elected to, to play for Samoa and, uh, and the State of Origin. Uh, he may have made the Samoan decision for, for other reasons other than State of Origin, but there are other examples of players where that conflict has, has been real. It's not perceived. It's a real conflict. Um, and, and maybe not in um, perhaps New South Wales, but just another, another player, Caitlin Pong, is a similar example where, he, uh, he's eligible for the Kiwis, hasn't played for Australia, but has, has, has said he wants to play um, Origin over, over that. So that, that is a real conflict, albeit that there are some moves to change that, and I hope it does change.
0: Were there, were there a set of circumstances where the board um, decided it wasn't feasible to do both jobs? What were they?
1: Well, again, that's, that's the, the conflict that you just mentioned, um, it's that we want the status of the Kiwis, someone who's 100% focused on the Kiwis, not on half an eye on another team that has, you know, as Australia is an Australian pathway team, whether we like it or not. And most people, well, many people in Australia would put that right at the top of the picking order, state of origin. And we want Kiwis and international football to be top of the picking order and fighting
0: hard to do that. That, uh, that that just leads to a couple of other. Questions, Greg. So, if you've got a policy that says you want the best coach, should that policy have an addition to say that wants to coach New Zealand through World Cups and not New South Wales, Queens and Australia?
1: Ah, oh, quite possibly, yes. Um, and that's uh, you know that policy currently, as you've articulated, still in place. Um, and we uh, will run the process. We haven't. Uh, the board hasn't considered the full process to appoint the next coach, but certainly. I would say that back in 2017, um, it wasn't envisaged that uh, that uh, you know a New South Wales coach would also coach the Kiwis.
4: Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Greg. I mean, what uh, I guess from here is, and it's something that Kempy's talked about. I don't know it's uh, something that we've heard from other players, though. Is is uh, where we go to next for the Kiwis job, and not just in terms of who does the job, but what the job looks like, because. There's been a lot of talk about having someone in place that can, you know, set up uh, some sort of coaching structure within New Zealand or within the New Zealand game, so that we have more coaches coming through. I mean, obviously, it's it's, it's tougher for coaches in this part of the world to get jobs in the NRL because we don't have a competition that kind of where they can cut their teeth. Uh, so I mean if you 're looking at the next coach you 're looking at someone that can have a more overarching view of the game in New Zealand rather than someone that 'll you know go and do a job somewhere else during the n r l during the season and then come back and just coach the Kiwis rather than having someone that's their sole focus is on new zealand rugby league
1: yeah that's a that 's a big challenge isn 't it because it, 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 well, on one hand you want the best coach you can possibly get to take the to you know top group of players that are the best in the game in the game and their positions uh, across the Kiwis that we've got at the moment. Um, so do you trade that off um, for someone who um, is available all year round? Um, because obviously the remuneration is not the same as what a head club coach might get um, in, in the NRL. And, uh, you know, the, the complex nature of professional coaching means that if you've got a Coach, who's the caliber of Michael McGuire or, or any other names, you know, big names you might name, they're always going to be in demand for other positions and, and roles. So it's a balancing act, I think. Uh, and we we haven't, the board hasn't considered the next part of that process, but we'll do so in the coming weeks. And unfortunately, uh, we have a long time between drinks between now and next October before we have to, um, you know, um, before the Kiwis are playing again. So we don't have to rush this decision, but we would want the coach in place by early uh, Q1 or Q1 next year.
0: What, what's, the, what's the ideal um, landscape look like, Greg, from, from a Kiwi coach's perspective? In an ideal world, you know, a Kiwi coach, we, we can play Origin, we can play international matches at the end of the year in, in an ideal world. But from a New Zealand perspective, what's the, what's the role of a New Zealand coach going forward?
1: Well, I think it's a lot about what was what we're just talking about. You know, we want um, we, we we want a group of coaches coming through that so there's nice, there's there's good competition around um, future coaching roles and, and the senior teams that we we have. Obviously, uh, we'd like a lot more international action so that we can have the Kiwis on the part more often. Um, but that's a, that's another conversation. Um, and we would we would want um, the person working with our our leading Player groups, which is and and our junior and developing players, which unfortunately is largely in Australia, um, and and on the ground working with those groups throughout the year. One of our big challenges is getting access to players um, when they're in the club situation uh, for most of the year, and obviously the NRL season is now so chock a block mm-hmm. with other content. It's very hard to get in front of those players or to get them together, and that was another you know, a, a sort of side consideration in the Michael Maguire thing. One of the few opportunities you have to get Kiwis together is during the state of origin camp window, which is in early February. So I'm not sure how you do both of those if you're coaching both teams.
4: What about looking forward to the uh, the New Zealand competition, as I mentioned earlier, in terms of a, 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 co- a structure, not just to produce players, but to, to produce coaches? I mean, I look at somebody, for example, like Willie Poching, who has spent so long in the mm-hmm. UK. A uh, coach Wakefield, he was assistant coach at Leeds. He's come back here. He's looking for a gig uh, back in New mm-hmm. Zealand. Do we have somewhere that those guys can go that can cut their teeth uh, week in, week out, and then potentially step up to an NRL job? Is that something that
1: NZRL is looking at? Yeah, we want we want to bring back um, bring back some national competitions that are at that level and. Um, we don't have them to be blunt. And to be honest, uh, you know, the level of competition to surface a coach to go immediately into a head coach position in the NRL or international football is unfortunately at the moment, not there. So what we, you know, we want to see some national competitions come back in that will um, provide that coaching depth and, you know, physios and doctors and uh, coach managers that, that week in week out, that can that can do that, and that's going to take is uh, you know, some, some pretty significant investment. And obviously, that's one of the conversations that we would like to have with the NRL uh, to say, well, actually, if you, if you can help us put those competitions in place, then we're going to have a structure in New Zealand that will produce more than the 28% of um, NRL players that are currently come out of out of New Zealand. Yeah,
0: there's uh, there's lots of work to do. Hey, Greg, can, yeah. I, can I just get you to clarify yeah. just a statement? Um, what did you mean when you say said that Maguire had a huge success of putting the mana back in the Kiwi jersey? Um, yeah. Because from my perspective, there has never been no doubt about the mana of that jersey. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Were you talking about something else?
1: Well, no, I mean, you're 100% right. I mean, the, the mana's always been there, but if you look back to 2017, you know, that wasn't a happy time um, for the Kiwis. And, and Michael came in in 2018 and, uh, and, and, and rebuilt that through that player group um, and the players themselves, you know, the player group that we've got now, that leadership group is, is outstanding, led by, led by um, James fisher Harris and, and others in the group. And that's just the growth of that group through the period um has to have something Michael has had something to do with do with that as well as the other you know, all of the people around the team. So where where the Kiwis get to now, uh, you know, winning thirty 0 against Australia and banking them first time since two oh five and bigger score against Australia, all of those sorts of things has been a, a successful ride for him with the Kiwis. Yeah, very successful ride, Greg. I guess uh, just one more before we let you go,
4: mate. Where are you on a second NRL franchise in New Zealand? I know they're kicking around the idea <laughs> in Aussie of, a, of an 18th franchise. They might be uh, less willing to put another one in New Zealand after 30 nil, mate. Have you, have you had any conversations?
1: <laughs> I, I, I am not close to those conversations, but I think we're a few years off. Um, I mean, if you... You read the media in Australia um, and, uh, and conversations you've had, I'm sure, um, and I've had too, that Papua New Guinea seems to be the, the favourite son at the moment for the next cab off the rank. Uh, and then a New Zealand franchise, possibly Perth franchise thereafter, but then not until, you know, late, until 2030 or, or there and there or, there or thereabouts. Um, personally, if you sit here right now, it's hard to see until commercially, um, until such time as the Warriors are in regular top eight, and let's hope that started this year and continues uh, conversation, and then a, uh, you know and then, and then you look around the country and, and think, where would it be commercially successful? We're only very small, we, you, know, you need a 30 million dollar capital base, uh, and then significant annual input. so it's a, it's a big stretch commercially in New Zealand. Uh, but I think it's something that the NRL will be driving towards by, say, 2030, 2032.
4: Yeah, nice. All right, Greg, listen, I really appreciate you coming on, mate. Bright and early Monday morning. What a a way to start the week, eh, having having a (laughs) yarn with me and Kempe, mate. Uh, Thanks very much for your time. Absolute pleasure. See you guys. Cheers, Cheers. Greg. Thanks, Greg. Greg Peters here, CEO of New Zealand Rugby League. Can you get your thoughts on that chat? What did you take out of that? double eight double three? And we will talk more on your texts shortly. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Keeping you healthy this spring. It's 7.27 here on SENZ. It is Ian Kempy for breakfast. 0800 It's Tradies Hour with Night and Day. Uh, warm up this morning with Oliver of a Coffee. Starting at just $4.50 at your local night and day. The leader of the pack, Tony Kemp, with us. Uh, Kemp, yeah.
0: apparently you were the leader of the pack. Well, mate, it was it was so widely um, um, uh, put through the media that I was leading this bunch of blokes around getting to get rid of Madge. And if you were listening to that, um, interview from Greg Peters. Down, go go to SCN and download the podcast if you haven't, because that uh, was certainly not the case. And and even ask Greg if he could name who those senior players were, ex players, that uh, they did speak to, and he wouldn't name them. So um, you know, even our good mates across the Tasman uh, at SCNZ, uh, Brandy Vossi, Sats, all all uh, all basically following the media's tone in and around that, boys just do your homework pick your phone up give me a call you know because i not i never once spoke to the new zealand rugby league my whole conversation was on conflict which greg confirmed was the biggest issue that they've got and that is simply you know brandy you know we don't have penrith league's club million dollar high performance centres, uh, and you can just go out there and, and pick a coach you know, like you, like an Ivan Cleary or you guys want to convey about. You know, we've got no community game, Greg's confirmed that. We need national competitions, we need opportunities for coaches. And the one opportunity that we shouldn't hand to Australians that use it as a pathway, which again he confirmed that, um, is to allow them to use New Zealand rugby league as a stepping stone to New South Wales, Queensland and Australia um, opportunities. And that was the conflict that I was talking about, not Michael Maguire, all right? Michael Maguire just happens to be the name that was sitting in that seat. So hopefully the New Zealand Rugby League can get this right and, uh, and, and put someone in there that can work through our communities, work with our coaches, work with our kids, um, and, and get that black jersey. I disagree with the Munner in the jersey. Now, does not David Kidwell's fault in 2017? Alright. If he bought mana back to the jersey, it should have been he bought mana back to the organisation because it was the organisation that hired David Kidwell and didn't look after him. And and David Kidwell's worn that. He wore that jersey with the most mana that any back row from Christchurch has ever worn. And he should not be the one that is tagged with um, the the lack of mana in the jersey from two thousand and seventeen. Okay, so I'm 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 not happy I've worn that jersey. That jersey means so much to me. Um, but what it has done with that win, that 30-point to win um, on our 90th Jubilee at Waitara, was he brought some mana back into that organisation. Because everyone now looks at the New Zealand Rugby League as, as um, uh, having a team that actually can, can compete at that top level. So uh, that's a, that was a great interview from Greg. He answered all the questions. He didn't shy away from anything. I would have, it would have been nice for him to name those players. i probably know who they are. Those ex-players, um, they're selectors at the moment. They're board, ex-board members uh, of the New Zealand Rugby League. Um, but yeah, it, it uh, just nice and clearly states that I wasn't the leader of the pack,
4: as it were. So there you go. That clears that up uh, for Kempe. 0800 150 811 Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven double eight double three is how you can get hold of us. Here's Adaha with the latest in news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. It's twenty-seven away from eight o'clock. Kennard's Hire makes your job easy. Kennards.co.nz, has some sports news headlines for you. And Terry Venables, the former manager of England's national football team, and Tottenham Hotspur has died at the age of 80 after an illness. His family have said this morning, Venables guided England to the semi-finals of the 1996 European Championship on home soil before losing to Germany on penalties. We are totally devastated by the loss of a wonderful husband and father who passed away peacefully yesterday after a long illness, the family said in a statement. Italy returned to the Davis Cup final after a gap of 25 years as Yannick Sinner beat Novak Djokovic in both singles and doubles to secure a 2-1 victory over Serbia that earned the 1976 champions a title clash with Australia. Sinner and doubles partner Lorenzo Sonego beat the Serbian duo of Djokovic and Miomir Kasanovic. 6364 to secure a famous victory that sent the former champions packing and sparked wild celebrations at the heaving Martin Carpena Arena in Spain. And Red Bull's triple world champion Max Verstappen wrapped up Formula One's most dominant season with a record-extending 19th win in 22 races at the season-ending Abu Dhabi Grand Prix overnight. A pole to flag victory fourth year in a row under the Yas Marina floodlights left the 26-year-old alone in third place in the Formula One all-time winners list with 54. Only Lewis Hamilton with 103 and Michael Schumacher with 91. Have one more. And finally, Dallas Mavericks star Luka Doncic banged up his left hand uh, in the closing minutes of yesterday's win over the Clippers. He underwent x-rays, and uh, it turns out looks like it's not broken. Doncic said, I don't think it's broken, but we're going to see further in Dallas tomorrow when they head home. He stole the ball off James Harden, and he's uh, he got Harden's knee to the hand. He started shaking his left hand in pain before doubling over it and clutching it and having to leave the court. So uh, maybe keep that in mind uh, with your NBA multis coming up today yeah, as well. yeah. I've had, a,
0: I've had a broken hand, Rick, and played with it. Yeah. Um, sort of my, what do you call it, index finger on that, on, right on the top of your hand there. I'd snapped a bone just uh, halfway up my hand. It's actually okay to play with. Yeah. So, you know, you get a little bit of pain when you're, when you're clenching, um, but it's, you know, it's probably one of the, you know, broken nearly everything in my body, but one of the ones that you could actually just handle. Um, so I don't see them missing any time uh, or any significant time there. And they heal really quick as well, you know, in that part of your body.
4: Yeah. I I, I played with a dislocated thumb for half a game. Um, yeah. But I, it was one of those, it came off, it was like, it came off, did it, I just... Guy went to go on the outside of me and I reached, grabbed his jersey and my thumb caught in the jersey and pulled it out yep. and um, <laughs> and I went over to the sideline and the coach literally just got the heel of his hand and banged the back of my thumb and knocked it back in and then figure eight tape around my ring finger and middle finger and the thumb so that it wouldn't move and he was like, you're right, go back out there. Yeah, Be get fine. back out there. Yeah, chuck some ice on it. Uh, there you go. <laughs> get there next to Jerry. Some get war there next stories, to Jerry in the front row. Yeah, there you go. Some war stories. <laughs> uh, time for our choices. Flooring pole sail on for family fri- uh, friendly carpet and hard flooring Uh, your moment of the weekend we've done ours Kempe's was one bold cat in the County's Cup mine was the Phoenix woman coming back to beat the league leaders we've also got Alex Paulson's penalty save and the Auckland Hearts being unbeaten as well in domestic cricket what is your moment of the weekend you can text us on double eight double three or head to the SEN app Hit Izzy and Kempi for breakfast and vote for the poll there, the Choices Flooring poll. I will come back with results of that in around an hour's time. Discover the perfect blend of style and function to elevate your home at choicesflooring.com during a family friendly sale. When we come back, Andy Murray out of the UK, not the tennis player, a football journalist to talk Terry Venables. It is 18 away from 8 o'clock here on SENZ. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. And joining us now from the UK is football journalist Andy Murray. Morning, Andy. How are you?
9: I'm uh, very well. How are you guys?
4: Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. Uh, some sad news over your part of the world, though. Uh, overnight our time, today your time. Uh, Terry Venables, the man they called El Tell, uh, one of the first British managers to go and and manage overseas. He took uh, took Barcelona, of course, uh, passing away at the age of eighty and a former England manager as well, mate. What's the what's sort of the the feeling uh, in England with the passing of uh, Terry Venables so soon after, of course, the passing of Bobby Charlton.
9: Yeah, I think that's it. With uh, with with Charlton uh, going a couple of weeks ago, it's uh, it's another it's another big big name in sort of English football history. And you know, it's 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 it, that's that's life, isn't it? You know, it it, it, it happens. Um, but uh, Venables will uh, will certainly go down and will be remembered as uh, sort of one of the one of the most tec- uh, te- technically and tactically aware uh, coaches. Um, that uh, that we've produced, really. Um, you know, he had a he had a pretty solid uh, playing career for for Chelsea and uh, and for Spurs. Won the won the League Cup for uh, with Chelsea and the FA Cup with Spurs as a as a player, um, and was quite influential in the abolition of the maximum wage um, back in the back in the 1960s when he was a he was a player as well. Um, sort of knew knew his value as a footballer, you would say, um, um, and. Uh, uh, established a business empire that included a nightclub in Kensington. Um, uh, he even made an attachment for hair curlers. Would you believe? Um, and which went to market. And also wrote a TV detective series. Uh, co-wrote a TV detective series on ITV here called Hazel, in the nineteen uh, eighties with a business partner of his, Gordon Williams. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's as, a, it, it's as a it's as a a manager that uh, that he really. Um, is uh, is most well most well known here um he managed a lot of clubs in the, in london uh crystal palace qpr and it was uh, it was at qpr that he uh performed very well uh with them uh, got them to kind of like third in the third in the top flight uh, and that's what made barcelona come calling in 1984 um as you say earning him the the nickname el tel uh he went there just as uh, they'd uh, they got rid of diego maradona and he re- he replaced Diego Maradona with Steve Archibald, uh, the uh, the Scotland forward, which uh, didn't go particularly didn't go down particularly well in Catalonia. But um, Archibald and Venables uh, won uh, won the locals over. Um, he actually won La Liga in the the first year that he was uh, he was in the dugout there at uh, at the camp. Now, uh, first uh, first La Liga title for for eleven years for them and. Um, uh, kind of re-established uh, Barcelona, I suppose, as uh, from a sleeping giant as they as they had been. You know, for a decade since uh, since Johan Cruyff had left them as a player, they'd sort of struggled in the wilderness a little bit, really. But uh, he re-established them, um, took them to the 1986 European Cup final, which they lost on penalties to, to Steaua Bucharest um and um did a lot better there i think than a lot of uh, a lot of people thought you know that you know maybe english coaches weren't weren't that uh, yeah tactically aware enough to to go and make it on the continent uh, at that stage but uh, he he proved uh, he knew what he was doing and uh, did very well for them um uh before returning to to england as uh, as, as spurs coach in 19 in um in 1987 and uh, won the 1991 FA Cup with them uh, before before becoming England boss. And um, yeah, it was the two years that he spent as England, which he'll be most fondly fondly remembered, took took uh, the three lines to the semifinals of Euro 96 as host. It was a memorable 4-1 victory uh, against the uh, Against the Netherlands that um, that he masterminded there with uh, with a Christmas tree formation that he's fondly re- renowned for here with sort of four defenders, three three midfielders, two attacking midfielders, one up front that made that made the formation look like a Christmas tree. Um, but yeah, that kind of four one victory uh, over the Dutch and a two 0 win against uh, against Scotland um, featuring a uh, Paul Gascoigne um, uh, brilliant Paul Gascoigne solo goal um, is is what he'll be fondly remembered for here he was a, he was a real character um and uh, you know sort of cheeky chappy crafty cockney that sort of that sort of uh, thing but um you know he 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 was well aware of the the players that he had at his, at his disposal um in that england era um you know brought through uh brought through gary neville into the in, into the senior side uh uh, picked Saul Campbell when he was quite young as well, alongside uh, Tony Adams, and um, and yes, yeah, stuck with Alan Shearer when Shearer was going through a goal drought, and then uh, Shearer won the Golden Boot at the uh, at Euro '96 as, as top goalscorer. Um, you yeah, know, there's been an outpouring of uh, of plaudits and um, and so on from former. Former players of his, Neville today has been uh, very effusive in his praise. So too the current England manager Gareth Southgate, who played in that Euro '96 tournament under him as well. So, so yeah, it's, it's sad times, but it's you know it's an opportunity to to celebrate and um and remember one of the one of the great names in uh, in English football, you'd say. He would have been right at home in the East End. He looked uh,
0: he looked pretty dapper when he was walking around in his suits back in the the mid to late nineties, uh, didn't he, um, Terry Vinnables? He, he he's re, uh, revered by the players. They absolutely love them. Mm,
9: absolutely, yeah. I mean, just uh, just going back to what you're saying, um, yeah. Growing up in the East End, he was actually in Dagenham, um, and alongside a lot um, a lot of. Uh, contemporaries who went on to play for London clubs Jimmy Greaves being uh, being one of them uh grew up down the road from uh, from him in in Dagenham and um as you say, very dapper in his in his suits. He actually appeared on the front cover of a of a Morrissey single, uh, "Dagenham Dave," um, in the uh, in the nineteen eighties as well. And uh, he actually fancied himself as a bit of a crooner. He released a few singles as well um, in his uh, in his time. Um, so uh, so yeah, he's very much that that sort of that sort of guy. And I think that um, that sort of character helped. Um, helped him sort of get on with get on with the players really you know he um uh you know they seem to they seem to respect him as a as a as a coach you know he was no authoritarian figure like sir alex ferguson or anything anything like that you know he, he'd let them go out and have a drink and uh, and enjoy themselves you know the famous dentist chair with paul gascoigne in, in the run-up to a euro 96 is probably the best example of that you know he he'd let them have some some time off but um but yeah, I think that sort of endeared him to to the players. Um, the fact that he was very bright tactically and did different things that that, that perhaps they were they were used to at their clubs also also helped that. And it basically just it fostered a uh, an atmosphere within the squad whereby the player just wanted to play for him. You know, it wasn't a chore to go and play for England. I mean, some might say you know it should, never should be a chore to go and play for your country, but. You know, I think a lot of that squad actively looked forward to, you know, the the sort of ten days or so that they would have um, every now and then away with the national team, and then obviously Euro '96 itself was just kind of like a a real a real mood change, I think, in 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 the nation really. To be honest, with with football, you know, before that, England hadn't qualified for for the previous World Cup in uh, in 1994. The Euros before that in '92, England had been absolutely awful. They'd stunk out the place um, in, uh, in in Sweden, so you know there wasn't that much hope really going into uh, Euro '96. And you know, with his his philosophy of attacking football and and so on, it really you know it really brought the country back together. And there was a real sense of sort of optimism really um, that something something big might happen in the sort of mid to late '90s, and that sort of fostered on through. Uh, through Cool Britannia, um, and uh, you know the music that there was at the at, at the time with Blur, Oasis, and uh, and so on, sort of being big global, big global stars on the on the music and culture side as well.
4: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, I know Terry was. You, you mentioned his his crony. He released a few singles and things. He thought he fancied himself as a Frank Sinatra type. But I, my mm. enduring memory will be that Gary Neville, who played for twelve years for England. Only two of those under Terry Venables said that Terry Venables was his favourite England coach that he ever played under. Um, it feels like, we call them fish heads over here, the suits, you know, what you'd call the FA suits. But anybody who's in a suit, uh, in admin in, in, in sports, we call fish heads. But the fish heads really did England a disservice getting rid of El Tell when they did. They, they didn't like the charisma, did they? They, they, they wanted a, a, a somebody in a cardigan rather than somebody uh, in a blazer.
9: Yeah, that, that's that's often been the case with uh, with the FA. I mean, famously, you know, Brian Clough uh, was never was never England manager um, because uh, he would, or, you know, uh, ruffle too many feathers, shall we say, uh, diplomatically um, um, within w- within the powers that be at the FA. And though um, Venables wasn't quite as uh, uh, as Uh, you know front foot I suppose in uh, in 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 his in the way he described his football philosophy and uh, and and so on Um, you know his off-field activities were what brought him down at the FA there were there were rumors of um, you know business deals and ventures that that hadn't gone uh, that hadn't gone well and they for whatever reason, decided that that wasn't the image that they wanted projected um, by the England manager, and that's what eventually forced him out. Um, you know, it certainly it certainly wasn't a footballing decision but often uh, in the past and perhaps even still in, in the present day that's the that's the way the fa go down they're much rather they much rather have someone who isn't gonna uh, rock the boat as you say you know where the where where more of a cardigan type wear the blazer and uh, put up and shut up you know terry terry venables was never really was never going to be that guy i mean england and the FA should have realized that really before before appointing him but um, you know I think he probably was the outstanding candidate at the at the time and with hosting hosting euro 96 as well they probably thought well we don't really have we don't really have too much too much choice you know the there were some controversies around um, you know so-called bungs and and you know money in brown paper envelopes. That went to that actually went to court, um, and um, you know nothing was ever nothing was ever proven there. Certainly from from Venables's point of view, but I, I think the the FA got itchy feet. Um, with that, and that's what—that's uh, why they didn't want any more to any more to do with him. But yeah, you know, there's certainly no chance. It was a it was a football decision uh, related to that.
4: Yeah, Andy. Listen, th- we're running out of time, mate. But uh, thanks very much for being such a, giving us such a comprehensive uh, background on on Terry Venables' great loss to English football as well, mate. Look forward to the next issue of Four Four Two, which I'm sure will have uh, a big article on Terry in it. Thanks for your time. Go
9: well. Pleasure as always.
4: We're coming up to 8 o'clock here on Izzy Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Uh, And uh, after 8 o'clock, Chris Milicic will join us. We'll talk the Phoenix, we'll talk the National League finals, and we'll uh, get his take on the A-League extension in uh, franchise into Auckland as well. Plenty of texts coming through as well. Keep those uh, coming through on double eight, double three. My moment of the weekend was Paige at $9, storming home at... The Mott to win race, five pages. Also my daughter's name and loves the grass. Also Blair's Drive and the Get Out of Jail Stakes. Horse 8, last on the bend to win by five length. Amazing drive, Just easy to see why it's our top. rangeman. great show, guys. That is from Dean. Glad you were in the money, Dean. Glad, good to hear. Here's Araha with the latest in news for you from Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. It's five past eight. Good morning. Welcome into Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Coming up this morning, we're going to have uh, Paul Mawati this hour around 8.30 from the TAB. Right now, though, uh, we're going to talk some football because it was a big weekend of football in Auckland. We had the Phoenix in town on Saturday. Both the men's and the women's teams played at Mount Smart Stadium. And then yesterday, it was the National League Grand Finals. Wellington Olympic up against Auckland City FC and Auckland United up against Southern United as well. And joining us to talk about all of that is uh, Chris Milicic, who isn't there yet. No? Oh, you want to do Who Am I first? All right, we'll do Who Am I first. Just Robbie is running the Qatar Kempi, obviously. Uh,
0: he's on fire. He's on fire today. He's uh, he's obviously had a really good week in at the stand-up comedy um, second gig that he does on a Saturday night.
4: Yeah, must have done. Must have done. All right, here, here it is. Who am I? Clue number three. I only ever played at the top level for two teams, though my debut for the second one lasted less than a minute. Okay. Who am I? $100 Adidas Golf voucher up for grabs. Get away with Adidas Golf. Visit adidas.co.nz. Get away with golf. T's and C's apply. I tell you what, I thought my clues were tough for who am I. Robbie's taken over, taking them to a whole new level. I'm going to give you all three clues here. I was born in Northern California, and in 2021, I donated a $1 million to help with small businesses in my hometown. Clue number two, after receiving... A just one DI scholarship. I almost quit my chosen sport after high school and thought about going to college to become a lawyer instead. And then clue three, I only ever played at the top level for two teams, though my debut for the second one lasted less than a minute. Who am I? Double eight, double three, if you know the answer to that. Now that uh, we've got Robbie's housekeeping out of the way, Chris Milicich does join us to talk football. Good morning, Millie. How are you? Good,
2: Ricardo. Yourself?
4: Yeah, good, mate, good, thank you. Uh, big weekend of football in Tamaki Makoto. over the weekend. We had uh, the uh, Wellington Phoenix in town on Saturday. They had the National League Grand Finals yesterday, mate. And uh, I've got to say, really pleasantly surprised by how the Phoenix both teams are going this season. New coaches for both uh, both the men's and the women's team. And, and Giancarlo Italiano, his first dig as a first-team coach. What have you, what have you made of uh, the way he's changed things at the Phoenix?
2: You'd have to admit that he's had a, a great start to his uh, head coach coaching career. Um, the team's certainly winning games. I watched uh, elements of the game from the weekend, and, and I noticed that when they scored the goal, the sheer joy and enthusiasm for scoring the goal was there. But there was also that same joy and enthusiasm when Paulson saved the penalty. Mm. Uh, there were other things going on. They're, they're really tight, and they're really together. And I think from what I can see from the outside... The biggest work on they've done there is the team culture, the team values and what they are embracing as a group. There doesn't seem to be any animosity and they're all in this together. I think that's fundamentally the biggest change there. The way they play and all that, you know, it's its its all very generic, a lot of stuff that happens. But that seems to be something that stands out quite marked from where it was in previous seasons.
0: Are you surprised about um, Paulson and, and the and the goalkeeper there. You know, when, when Ollie Sale left, everyone thought there'd be a big gap um, to fill in those boots that he left there in the goal. But, man, Paulson's been outstanding there lately.
2: Yeah, that's a really good question, Tony, because um, Paulson grew up at the same age bracket as my boys. So I've known that, that young lad since he was about 10. Right through his junior playing career, he was a standout goalkeeper. The only question that was always about him, was he going to be physically capable and was he going to be aerially good enough? But he went to the Phoenix as a 16 or 17-year-old. Uh, he's played at New Zealand at the under-17 World Cups. He's had a vast array of experience. He's got incredibly quick reflexes um, and he's got the confidence to play. I think that what we're seeing now is what we often see is when a player first comes into professional football, his performance is at a really high level. He hasn't gone through any of the grind. It's a first-year thing. But he's got all the technical abilities to play in there. I mean, that's, that people talk about the penalty save and that. The save that gets me is the one he got right at the very death when the header came in. He stuck a hand up, and instead of deflecting it up back into traffic or trying to put it over the crossbar, he actually managed to pull it down into his chest, which is which is actually quite difficult to do. And so it shows me that a player completely... at uh, the peak of where he is right now, where he will go, nobody knows. Uh, but the Oli Sale question, uh, I would have let him go too. Uh, Oli was, you know, he was competent, but he's not winning any games. This is not good ourselves. Alex mm. Paulson has gained a whole bunch of points for the Wellington Phoenix this year. Uh, I read a stat yesterday that if uh, he hadn't played quite where he was... The Phoenix would only have four points. they have 11 points, and you, and you have to at seven points of those to Alex Polson. And that's the difference between whether you win mm. stuff or not, not, is goalkeeper actually wins your games. Mm.
4: Millie, as a former keeper, what is the key to saving penalties? Because he has saved two big penalties this season already.
2: Yeah, look, I think that uh, the key is looking at their body shape and what they're going to do. Because fundamentally, the percentages work in your favour. Approach to the ball, and where he plants his kicking foot dictates where he's going to pass it to. You're done now with the guys that sort of jog up and jump up and because it it's not a thing. But if there's any consistency in the run up and you're quick enough, um, you can see where they plant their their sort of standing foot, and where the toe points of that standing foot is where they're most likely to go. And both penalties that Alex has saved, you can see the run ups are you know they're fairly consistent. Um, and then there's the planted foot, and they're going the way the planted foot. So he's, he's obviously done a lot of work on picking up the, the pointing of the foot, but he's also done his prep and knowing which way to go. And the secret to saving pens is just go the damn right way. <laughs>
4: easy, 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 Millie. Uh, what about then um, uh, the women's team? Because uh, they had two different coaches the first two seasons. Uh, they've switched to a third coach in Paul Temple for this season. Uh, they won their first ever back-to-back games under Paul. They've now won three games under Paul and uh, they're at the top of the tree in the Women's A- Liberty A-League as well. Where are they sitting? Well, they're currently third, but they're only you know uh, just off the top and uh, they've been yeah. getting some great results. What have you made of them so far under Paul and how he's changed things?
2: Well, I think the biggest change that Paul's done is they are prepared to keep possession in small areas, and he calls it short ball, um, in which they move the ball quickly, trying to get uh, freedom of a player on the ball. But the biggest thing they're doing is, if you have a look on any type of play, it's the movement of the players forward, overloading the opposition defence, making them have to to change it, which is more uh, you see a lot more in um, in the top level. So what happens is the players on the ball, they're shifting the ball around, but there's runs now going. So they trust the people on the ball not to lose it, and runs are now going forward. They're overloading the back line, and then you see from their, their goal on the weekend, it basically came out, there's a, there's a girl sitting there absolutely free, nobody marks, takes a touch, puts it in, you know, and they get back to one all. And so that only comes about through a willingness of your team to get forward, Um, make your runs into spaces where the opposition can't get there, overload the defences, and then be prepared to play the ball. One of the key things I'm seeing in the English Premier League now is how many strikers have got great people to pass to and they're shooting themselves, whereas the Wellington Phoenix girls, in particular women, sorry, um, they're actually overloading the back line of opposition to score goals. So the difference from what happened in the last two seasons to this one, they're scoring goals. When you score goals, you win. Um, the goalkeeper for the Wellington Phoenix, she's made a couple of crucial saves, uh, but the big thing is it's the opportunity to get players forward, overloaded, and their athleticism of the younger girls and the girls he's brought in is now starting to wear down a lot of the Australian women's teams.
0: Yeah, let's let's just talk, talk about that, Millie, the, the athleticism. I, how much does the, you know, the high-performance centre down there in Wellington play? Because both teams, both the women's and the men's Phoenix teams, look extremely fit.
2: Yeah, well, look, it must play a massive part. I know they're, they're all based in around the same area, but it must play a massive part because one of the key things from a football perspective is players are expected to run between 10 to 13 kilometres per game at varying paces and speeds. So your physical development and your athleticism to play. Uh, there's a really famous quote by Shankly that went, um, there isn't a, play- a tactical strategy device for players that will not or cannot run. And so um, they've certainly uh, got them really, really fit. And you see that in the last 10 minutes of both games on the weekend, actually. When they had to dig deep and they had to defend. They were, their, their levels of performance stayed high. Their athleticism stayed high. Their ability, uh, willingness and ability to stay in the game stayed high. And that only comes because your fitness levels and your performance levels must be at a really high level to allow you to mentally stay into the game and what's going on. So it must be playing a big part because this is the, these are the two of the fittest teams from a Phoenix perspective I, I think I've seen in quite some time.
4: Uh, Millie, also yesterday we had the National League Grand Finals and uh, unusually we didn't see Auckland City lift the trophy. Wellington Olympic got it done. Um uh, interested to hear from you about this. You've coached against both these teams previously, but I mean Auckland City. I think you know, congrats. I don't want to take anything away from Wellington uh, from Wellington Olympic, but Auckland City lost that game, didn't they? They they left about five goals out there in the first half.
2: Yeah, yeah, they did. But I remember a few weeks ago, you and I talked on this radio station. I said I think Wellington Olympic will win the final, and I think it comes down to. They rode their luck. Auckland City, you know, they win games. They win a lot of games. Um, and yesterday, even though they left goals out there, Auckland City have this very large squad. They rotate players all the time. Some players play four games out of eight and all the rest. When you come to a dual die semi-final like that, you need 11 players on the pitch that fully um, fit, know the system, and trust each other without any doubt, and you go do it. To be fair if Auckland City put away one of their four or five really good chances then we're not talking like this but Wellington Olympic I always felt this year it was kind of their time as it were they've been knocking on the door for three years and this is the Wellington Olympics last thing my understanding is a lot of those Wellington Olympic players are leaving going different places doing different things this was the uh the day or the time for it Auckland City will be kicking themselves but Auckland City will also be going, oh, well, the, the biggest game's the home and away for the um, Oceania Club World Cup stuff. So, yeah, it, but at the grand final, was 1-0. It was 2-0 in the end because of the late goal. But, look, I think Wellington Olympic, it was their time. And sometimes when it's your time, you do miss goals. You hit You post, people head over the top, etc. And it was their time.
4: I've got, got to ask you, and uh, no doubt you'll give me the answer I want being a signed-up member of the Goalkeepers Union. How did Scott Basile not win Man of the Match?
2: Yeah, they never win it in New Zealand for Grand Finals, mate. It's just quite bizarre. I mean, some of the saves he made, and especially from that header that went down and he put it over the top. I mean, for people listening out there, when the goalkeeper, you're looking on a straight horizontal line. The guy goes to head the ball, suddenly it pops down. You've got to throw your head down to pick it up, and then it's coming up at you soon as your head goes down and goes up, your balance is gone for the top level of your balance where you need to explode, and Scott somehow managed not to go backwards but to go up and put it over the top. Technically and mentally that's a really, really tough thing to do. That's the save of the game. That keeps running to the Olympic to win the game, and you caught up in the grand final, the goalkeeper can have a blinder, the team wins, wins 1-0, and the dude who might have scored the goal gets the man of the match, and he's done, that's about all he's done. So Look, we all as the goalkeepers, we all go. Yeah, we did our job. Um, but yeah, I would have given player of the yesterday for sure.
4: Now we watched over the weekend. We had two game, uh, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. Of course, uh, A League and then international <laughs> league grand finals. Mate. And, Of course, we had the news last week that Auckland have got an A League franchise starting in about eight, uh, nine months' time. Um, there is a, definitely a step up. But I mean, if you were look, looking at that grand final yesterday from an Auckland uh, A League franchise point of view. Is there anybody there that you'd be signing up for your team?
2: From the game yesterday or just from the Auckland team? Well, from the game yesterday. Joel Stevens. Joel Stevens has got, you know, he's been a professional in Europe, etc. Um he's got he's still got the pace and enthusiasm, but what he does do is he's got dead ball speciality that you can actually exploit. And I always felt that he wasn't given the opportunity at the Phoenix that he perhaps should have. Many players are in the same boat. Um, But he's the player because he's got an X factor that's a little bit different um, and you need to be able to score goals. Um, But, you know, as you said, you're eight months away. I'm sure that they've got something going on. Nobody knows what's going on. But, you know, I'm sure they've got something going on there from that perspective, from player recruitment. Um, And you would have to bring a bunch of those players in to see if they could step it up. I'm always pretty confident the players play in the National League level in New Zealand, given the, the time... Uh, to get up to the physical and athletic uh, standards of the A-League, they can easily cope in there. I mean, you look at the Ben Sigmunds, the Roy Krishna, Albert Rea, you name them, they've all come out of the National League and they've all survived in the A-League and in some cases been extreme standouts. So I think that it doesn't matter who you go. As long as your scouting's right, you look at them, they've got the right attitude, they've got the right technical ability, they understand the tactics of uh, football, they're coachable, and you can bring them into an A-League level and you can let them go because uh, you look at the Phoenix now, they're playing a bunch of uh, younger players that have come out of the National League and they're not struggling.
4: No, that is true. That is true. Good stuff, Millie. Appreciate your time, mate, on a, on a Monday morning. Go well. Anytime,
2: time. Enjoy the show, boys.
4: Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers, Chris. Uh, Chris Milicic there with us talking football. And yeah, interesting that he said, uh, yeah, Joel Stevens. he actually, he was the man of the match and he did have a good game yeah. yesterday, Kempi. But honestly, without Scott Basile, the, the uh, Olympic keeper, they wouldn't have been in the game to score the goal to win the game, if you know what I mean. Uh, they, yeah, yeah. He he pulled off some great saves in the first half, uh, and then the, I think it's uh, a good
0: point he makes. Yeah, he Auckland got, City the hit the bar about three a, times too. Yeah, it's a really good point he makes. Like if you, especially around Ollie um, Sale, you know, like everyone sort of had this thing that Ollie Sale was going to be a big loss, and and you know for Chris to come out and say, well, you know, he needed to go. This is if you have a look at these stats, this is why the Phoenix have won some games is because Alex Paulson and the goal and the um, goalkeeper position um, is a really is a really big bold statement, you know. But look, I I love watching Alex Polson play. He he puts himself right in the face of the shooters all the time, and is always a chance. Like saving that goal on Saturday, uh, mate, You would have picked him. Well, if you go, is he going to save it?" No, probably not. And then he just puts himself there all the time to knock it onto the bar and save save the goalkeeper in the game. So, um, yeah, nice nice interview there from, from Millie in and around, especially the goalkeepers.
4: Yeah, 100%, mate. It is uh, 8.21 here on SENZ and Kempe for breakfast. Uh, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. It's 8.27 0800 150 or double eight double three is how you get hold of us. And plenty of texts to get through here as well from Lammy uh, saying, guys, you should give uh, Michael Hendry a shout-out. What a comeback. He finished uh, in the um, Aussie PGA, Kempe, Uh First yep. tournament back from recovering from cancer. Finished 15th. Now that's pretty impressive. Mate, well, it's, it's, it's a lot more impressive than Cam Smith was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cam Smith don't didn't forget, make
0: the cut. We, had, no, we lucky because I was going to choose that one. Cam Smith and uh, Scott. If uh, Scott. got to... Uh, to get into the, the top 10, Adam Scott. So, um, yeah, look, Cam Smith's having a hard time at the moment. Eh? He, was on a, he was on a cutter last year. Well, mate,
4: apparently, I, I didn't see it, but uh, apparently he was just about in tears after missing the cut, like he was being interviewed, and he was saying he felt like he'd let all these Australian golf fans down who'd come to see him. Uh, spent the weekend, because yeah. they got the Australian Open this coming weekend, right, from Thursday. So apparently he spent the rest of the weekend working on his putting, trying to figure it out. Then get on, get on him. Get on him. You're well, top he'll come 10. Back.
0: Get on him. Top ten. Oh well, mate. If, if emotion, emotionally he's uh, he's putting himself in the zone and he gets in it um, during those four days, you'd have to think that class would would come through, wouldn't
4: you? You'd have to think so. You'd have to think so. But you know, form is a funny thing, isn't it, Kempe? You Sometimes you're in form and you just everything you hit goes in. And other times, no matter how much uh, training you do, how much practice you do, how much you work on it, how much focus you are,
0: you you can't hit the side of a barn door. No, sometimes, but you know, form is temporary, mate. You know, class is forever. Yeah, hundred. And he's got class.
4: Now we had the uh, the the news a little bit earlier. Well, it's not official news yet, but it looks like uh, Kurt Cape will maybe signing for the Warriors. I had a text through, uh, basically floating this as the Warriors uh, Ford Pack for next season. Adam Fanua blake at 8, Wade Egan at 9. Uh, He's put Nwakore at 10, but I think that's Mitch Barnett at 10. Then Capel and Nwakore as your second row, and Harris uh, at 13. Is that how you would start game one if everyone's fit?
0: No. No, I think I think forward needs to start on that edge. Um, and Nwakore in the back with tohi on the back, and Adam Finua-Blake uh, alongside... You know, one of the other front rowers, Bunty R4. I still think they're really light in the, in the front row stocks. So, Kurt Cape, Kurt Cape will, I don't think he comes here this year, Britt. You know, I, I know that you're saying he might, there may be something here. They want to, um, there is talk, they want to, they want to let, let some money up so they can put some extra money into their superstars. But, um, yeah. The Dolphins I'm are linked with Ezra
4: Mam, I think, is the problem. They, and they need to tie Ezra down.
0: Yeah, well mate, Ezra Man can play. I'd love to I'd love to have him here at the Warriors so I think he'd be great.
4: Yeah, all right, let's sign him instead of Kurt Capole. There you go. Kempy's made the call. Let's just do that. <laughs> hey, uh the NFL, there's a whole bunch of games on at the moment live and just updating you on the scores as we come into halftime. The Bengals lead the Steelers seven to three. The Falcons are up fourteen nine over the Saints. The Titans are up fourteen three over uh the Panthers. Uh the Colts are up seven and ten over the Bucks. Uh the Giants lead the Pats seven zip and the Jags are up 13-7 over the Texans. Uh, coming up later on today, the Chiefs are at the Raiders, the Rams are at the Cardinals, the Browns are at the Broncos, and the Bills are at the Eagles, and then the late kickoff is the Ravens at the Chargers. So plenty of NFL to come. No doubt Paulie Mawari will have some options for us on that because he loves his NFL. We'll get to Pauli Mawari shortly. Right now, though, here is Araha with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. 28 away from nine on SENZ it is Ian Kempe for breakfast. Time for uh, catching up with Paulie Mawadi shortly. Right now, though, here is the result of your choice's flooring pole design, visualise and create your perfect floor with room view. The options for performance of the weekend. The Phoenix women coming back to beat the league leaders. That is winning with 41% of the vote. In second, Alex Paulson's penalty save with 33% of the vote. One bold cat winning the county's cup is 20% of the vote. And Robbie has been busy voting for the Auckland Hearts, unbeaten start to the season, at 6% of the vote. There you go. Well, I assume it was Robbie. I don't know. It could have been someone else. Who knew? Who knows? There you go. Those. Are, that's your Choices Flooring poll. Discover your signature style and enjoy a virtual design experience with Choices Floorings Room View. Time now to catch up with Paul Mawadi with the Grand Hub Tour at tab.co.nz. Bet safely R18. Morning, Paulie. How was the weekend? Yeah, not too bad. I'm not quite as good as
5: Kempi I'm guessing. With all this uh, Taranaki success over the weekend, um, his pockets must be absolutely bulging.
0: Overflowing, overflowing, like like your hair, like the locks on top of your head, Paulie. Uh, Mawari, <laughs> the, the, the perm and, you know, all that going into my pockets from the weekend. Mate, on fire, Al Sharrock and, and uh, Robbie Patterson. What about Robbie Patterson, mate, in the last month? Look, if you if you've got a horse with them, that one bowl cat, did you expect it to get up and pay seven bucks?
5: I can tell you, there were plenty who did expect it to get up. Um, it was very well backed by uh, punters uh, in the cup. So, yeah, well done to Robbie Perry. As you say, he's had a mighty um, what four eight weeks um, with uh, what was it Puntura in the um, in the Copeland. Copeland. Uh, yeah, yeah. One ball cat t- takes out the county's uh, cut. cheapest creepers. He's going very, very well, uh, Robbie Patterson at the moment. And, of course, your old mate, Al Shirok, uh, getting a winner at uh, Wanganui on Saturday with Sumi. Um, and That was a great one. Uh, I think Sumi was fresh up as well. So, very, very, a great day for you and the uh, Taranaki boys.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it when you get that in there, Paulie. Um, mate, what do you got today? Like, NFL, Rick's there, Manchester United getting up. We'd be happy about that. Um, but what else is on the cards?
5: Yeah, well, um, I thought we should look at the um,
0: supercars
5: uh, because as one mighty Kiwi uh, leaves for bigger and brighter things uh, stateside, a young Kiwi rises uh, with Matt Payne. Um, winning uh, in Adelaide uh, yesterday. And I tell you, I've had a look, and you could have got Matt Payne at $17 uh, to win race two at Adelaide yesterday. And there are a number of punters who definitely, who certainly did that. Um, so uh, I guess those in the uh, motor racing fraternity, uh, they knew this... Uh, this Matt Payne had a bit in him, um, and it looks like he's got a big, big future ahead of him. So, yep, well done to those who uh, backed uh, Matt Payne uh, to win race two at Adelaide. Um, I'm just having a look. NFL, um, the morning games are already underway there. You can live bet uh, on them as we speak. Um, there's a couple of very, very tight games here. The Bengals-Steelers, 7-3 at halftime. Um, but there's a number of games coming up, uh, and one of them that's taken my uh, eye is the—it's uh, another divisional matchup. The Va- Raiders up against the Chiefs. Uh, Las Vegas hosting uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs are a dollar twenty and nine and a half point favorites. Um, look, I, I love the way the Chiefs play, but boy, oh boy, heading to Vegas taking on the Raiders, and then getting uh, nine and a half. Uh, I know that's uh, Ricardo's team and I actually give the Raiders a chance of keeping this fairly close. So yeah, I mm. I do like the plus nine and a half. Uh the Raiders up against the Chiefs later on today.
4: Yeah, well got, yeah, that- got the money against the Dolphins up on a buck ninety at uh I think plus twelve and a half the other day, weren't they?
5: Yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah plenty happening uh NFL wise, uh NBA, uh same thing. Uh, and as you say, Manchester United, well at least Ricardo, he's starting the week with a on a high with Man United uh, getting the win
0: uh, over
5: Everton. So, yeah, plenty going. He on. doesn't.
0: He doesn't get to do that too often, does El Ricardo? So he's he's <laughs> lapping up this morning. Hey, hey, Paulie, we didn't ask you last week. The TAB taking back over SENZ. What what are your thoughts on that? <laughs>
5: hey, hey, I'm about six pay levels uh, away from making decisions or. Uh, giving my
4: opinions on that. I'm happy to have you guys at the far now, though. Well, I was told that we have to report to you now, Paulie. You're the boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee.
5: Oh, the world has been turned on its head. Yeah, indeed. and does
0: it And does that mean more bonus bets?
5: <laughs> yeah. I think if I'm the boss, it means less.
4: Ooh, 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 all right, we need a new boss at the TAV. Uh, Good stuff, Paulie, mate. Uh, what's, what else has got Monday got in store for you? Um, well, it's just a,
5: a bit of a rundown of what happened over the weekend and a look ahead to this coming weekend as well. It's, um, boy, oh, boy, we just heading into a very, very busy time of the year. Of course, um, a cricket um, with the first test between Bangladesh uh, and the Black Caps uh, starting tomorrow, we've got the Black Caps, $1.61 favourites. Bangladesh are at 3.50. They're very, very tough over there in the conditions. The draw's at $5.45. There's a few boosted markets uh, for punters. Uh, Sodi and Patel each take three or more first innings wickets. It's been boosted from 7 out to $9. I mean, if that pitch starts to turn, well, that pitch will turn. Um, and if these guys can get a bit of a hold... Um, that doesn't look the worst for mine. Sodhi and Patel each take three or more
4: first-innings wickets boosted from seven to nine. What if What if Patel just takes six? <laughs>
3: Robbie, Robbie's just in
4: my ear going, Sody's not playing. <laughs> Sody's not playing.
5: Oh, well, I'll get the bookies to uh, have a look at that and uh, see if they can put up another boosted
4: market. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. Good stuff, Paul. Thanks very much, mate. Go well. Enjoy your Monday, eh?
2: Very good, boys. Have a good one. Cheers. Check Cheers, out all boy. the
4: odds, promos, and boosted odds at the TAB Tour, the Grand Tour, I should say, hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. It's a quarter to nine here on SENZ. Izzy and Kimpi for breakfast. Uh, who am I? I was born in Northern California in 2001, and I donated a million dollars to help small businesses in my hometown. That was clue one. Clue two, after receiving just one DI scholarship, I almost quit my chosen sport after high school, thinking about going to college to become a lawyer. Clue number three is I only ever played at the top level for two teams, though my debut for the second one lasted less than a minute. $100 Adidas Golf voucher up for grabs. Get away with Adidas Golf. Visit said Get away with golf. T's and C's apply. Congratulations to Shane in Whangarei. The correct answer, Aaron Rodgers, uh, famously of the Green Bay Packers, less famously of the New York Jets. Uh, that is the answer today's Who Am I? Well done to you, sir. Uh, we talked earlier, Kempi, about Alex Paulson. Uh, Giancarlo Italiano was a goalkeeper in his day. This is what he, the Phoenix coach had to say about Paulson's uh, penalty save and his performances.
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, I think uh, it's commendable performance because you know he's come across uh, from the other side of the world. He's had he's had a great experience with the All Whites. Uh, sometimes you know uh, young players can get a little bit ahead of themselves. And I think, uh, well, it was a conversation before the game, just to stay grounded, stick to what he's done um, over the last couple of months to get him into this position and uh, don't, don't rest on his laurels. And, and he did that today. You know, I wasn't expecting him to save it. Um, I think, you know, he, it was great. It was even, a, to be fair, even the follow-up was, was quite dangerous and we put our, body, our bodies on the line and it, it was just the overall very, a very good um, performance from AP.
4: Yeah, great performance from Alex Paulson and uh, well said from Giancarlo Italiano. Another great performance of the weekend, Kimpi uh, that we haven't talked about, uh, but Robbie is going to uh, fill us in on this one. I mentioned on our Choices Flooring Poll uh, the Auckland Hearts picking up some uh, some love on the votes.
6: Uh, and a lot of that, uh, Robbie, down to Matty Green over the weekend. Yeah, not too, not too much love on the odd uh, choices, flooring pole, but we're going to talk about it because, well, I mean, I'm the cricket guy, I guess, and I, I was all across it. Um, I don't know how many people actually know this, but NZC... Are streaming all the games yeah um so even like plunkett shield ford trophy um you know it's not it's it's one camera angle from one end uh and no commentary so you know it's it's not the most amazing coverage but it is something you know like um and so i just have it you know set up on another another screen next to me and you know get on with doing other things and it's yeah really really good to be able to at least watch when you can't get along to the games um so that that's something but yeah maddie maddie green um Kind of on fire for the hearts at the moment. Uh, yesterday they won by four wickets. Central Hines posted a uh, 197, and which you know it isn't a great score, especially on the short boundaries of um, uh, Kenneth High Community ov- Oval here in Auckland. But um, yeah, Auckland made. Uh, a t- tough, tough work of the chase. Um, they were 114 for six uh, when with Maddie Green still at the crease and she just stuck it out, 77 not out. Josie Penfold down the order as well, 28 not out, helping with the chase. Um, and yeah, she is in fine form, Maddie. That is. Didn't she
4: score 90 odd earlier as yeah, well? Yeah,
6: yeah. Which um, yeah, that was um, Saturday's game as well, playing playing central. Um, bit of a doubleheader there over the weekend. So. so-
4: you, I mean, we got because the white ferns. I think we've got live coverage coming up this weekend of the white ferns Pakistan, we right? Do, Sunday, Sunday, yeah. So Maddie Green's going to be part of that. She's on in on form at the moment. I tell you what, if you're looking at your TAB account, it could be worse to say Maddie Green top New Zealand run scorer. Don't mind it. Don't mind it. Don't mind it at all. Like it, like her Rob, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the insight there, mate. Um, and Kimpy, we've had plenty of texts through uh, around rugby league as well, particularly about Madge. Um. The this one I thought was quite interesting. The fact is that Madge chose to apply for a job without asking his current employer, and then chose the job with the Blues ahead of the mighty Kiwis. So good riddance! Coaches come and go; Kiwis will always survive.
0: Yeah, that's a. Uh, I guess that's a passionate plea to get a a coach that uh, puts the Kiwi team first, be uh, before anything else. And that 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 when you look at it, Rick is is. Um, Dead set the truth in it. Mm. You want to coach New South Wales, you want to coach New Zealand, and he chose New South Wales. So I, I think conflicted. He's conflicted definitely. Um, and good on him. That's his Australian. He's Australian. That's his Australian pathway. It leads to to Australian jerseys and and uh, coaching the Australian team. And he's made that nice and clear. So you know they just got to get get that process, that new policy written in, that they don't get, come across this again. And uh, you know, it's keep faith in the NZRL. That uh, yep, they've learnt by being bitten this time, and they can do it.
4: Uh, we, and we also had a text through from Hone from uh, Tokamaru Bay who's a big league fan talking about our rugby league discussions this morning with Greg Peters if you missed that head to the SCNZ podcast page and, and have a listen it was great to get Greg on and get some answers out of him but he says NZRL need to be more proactive in all areas including more tests in the international window uh, and more pathways for players referees and coaches with national competitions I guess the co- the question is how do they do that?
0: Well, that's exactly right. They don't focus on the Kiwi team, which you know. Admittedly, Greg Peters said himself, they only play one or two games a year. They need to focus on community. They need to build pathways. They need to build national competitions and stop being a tournament-based country that just um, files players off into the into the NRL, the National Rugby League. Um, you know, you got you get paid really well in head office to do a job, but they do nothing for competition, the zone structure doesn't work and Hone in, in Tokumara, um Bay, he would know that being over the East Cape where they don't have competitions or anything like that or pathways and um, it's a problem, always has been for a long time.
4: Yeah, thanks for your text Hone, keep them coming through, double eight, double three. When we come back we'll find out who's going to be on running the cutter from nine o'clock. It's four away from nine o'clock, and, and the question on everybody's lips, who is going to be filling in today on uh, Mornings with Daniel McCarty? Well, it's a bright-faced, fresh-faced young broadcaster, keen to get his feet under the desk and, and have a crack. By the name of Ian Smith, welcome in, Ian.
8: Ah, Ricardo, good morning to you, and <laughs> to you, Kempy, up there in the beautiful <laughs> Bay of Islands. It's... Uh, and you're very oh, – it's nice to wear, see you're wearing your pyjamas to work as well, buddy. It, <laughs> on, it's, uh, it's
0: not, it's if you nice look to be closely, back. Smithy, Smithy, if you look closely, you'll see my undies hanging out on the line <laughs> out the back as well.
8: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I thought that was your sheets. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, welcome back, Smithy, mate. Great to have you back. How, how was uh, India? How was the Cricket World Cup?
8: Intriguing. Absolutely intriguing place. Um, I, I – you, you really are, are interested for the whole time, whether you're, whether you're in your hotel, which is always uh, full of cricket uh, people who are just absolutely keen to talk cricket, or whether you're out and about to trying to get from A to B in um, traffic jams, etc. Watching six people go past you on a Vespa, um, you know, mum, dad, and the four kids <laughs> squeezed onto a Vespa, mm. uh, or you're in the middle of a traffic jam that seems to. Uh, it, like it'll never, ever go anywhere, and all of a sudden it just it just frees up. It, <clears throat> it's an incredible place, and then, of course, you get to the cricket grounds where it just goes berserk, oh, uh, my- especially when India are winning 10 out of 10, yeah.
4: Yeah, I was going to say, it seemed to be a bit of a who's who. I mean, I, I, I saw Laura McGoldrick's uh, Twitter post of her standing between Sachin Tendulkar and David Beckham on the pitch mm. interviewing both of them, mate. It's, uh, it, it wasn't just cricket stars there.
8: No, it was movie stars. I mean, it is just... They love stars. I mean, Indian people love stars. They, they love cricket, uh, they love kabaddi, they love other sports as well, but they absolutely love stars. So as soon as anyone with uh, any notoriety, whether they're Bollywood stars or or cricket stars in particular uh, from the past, turn up amazing. I'll, I'll give you a for, uh, for example, I sat um, in a lounge, a hotel, uh, an airport lounge with Sonny Gavisgar. Now, Sonny's well into his mid-70s now, but a prolific, run scorer, set all the world records during his time. Um, he sat in this, this uh, airport lounge waiting for a plane. He said, oh, can I sit with you? I said, yeah, sure. It took him, when word got it that he was in the lounge, it took him about 55 minutes to have a cup of coffee and eat a croissant. It was just full of selfies and autographs the whole time. And children, uh, little kids whose grandparents were had them were just wanting a photo of on the knee of the great Sonny Gavisco. That was, to me, a real eye-opener.
4: What about you, Smithy? I mean, you know, and I'm not, I'm not got my tongue in my cheek here, but I mean, you know, you, you you're cricket royalty. Were you getting a bit of that as well?
8: Uh, yeah, a lot, quite a lot, to be fair. Uh, more than I thought, actually. Um, I hadn't been there for a long, long period of time, but it was, it was, yeah. I mean, more and more too as the tournament went on, particularly um, after the Glenn Maxwell innings, uh, which I was lucky enough to be able to commentate the bulk of that towards the end. Uh, so you know, you just they just watch cricket, honestly. They watch it. They live it. They love it. Um, and there was criticism at times of uh, empty stadiums or partially empty stadiums. And it stemmed back to uh, the game one. I mean, game one was 47,000 people actually turned up to game one. Um, and in New Zealand and Australia, that's a hell of a crowd, 47,000. They just got the stadium wrong. The fact of the matter is there's still 70,000 70, empty seats. It's a massive, honestly. It's a yeah. massive stadium, a metabad. So they just got the stadium wrong. Anywhere else, it would have been Chocker. All right, Smithy, and first show back. Uh, I, I no doubt it's Chocker. What do you got? Yeah, got Noel Barclay on to talk about the uh, continuing uh, success of uh, the Phoenix, both sides actually, over the weekend. Great double header result there. Uh, we're going to talk to Aidan McLaughlin. We've got Nico Hearn coming in on the golf out of Australia. Uh, we're going to catch up with Vossi as well and Ben Strang. So we've got a number of guests this morning, plus the usual features and opportunities to win.
4: Yeah, nice. Looking forward to it, Smithy, no doubt. Uh, you'll talk a bit of Terry
8: Venables as well, former Spurs and England manager. Old tell, old tell. Go on, eh? I remember him playing. That's how old I am, Ricardo.
4: <laughs>
8: Beautiful. Look forward to that show,
4: mate. Have a great first show back. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now.